guys, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever, and this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? It's been good, because I've been reading. Ooh, what you been reading? I've been reading William Gay's Little Sister Death. Have you heard of this novel? Oh shit, no, but I've been reading The Lost Country by William Gay. Dude, William Gay is really good. Oh my god. You know, honestly, you know what William Gay reminds me of? It's like Cormac McCarthy if Cormac McCarthy's writing wasn't homework to read. So, did you know that William Gay and Cormac McCarthy were friends? That I, you know, I didn't know that, but I knew that. You know what I mean? Well, well do you know how they became friends? They met while they were hunting for scorpions in the same gulch with pickaxes, and then they bumped into each other and shared a flask of wood grain alcohol, I assume? Not even. It's it's even more quintessentially William Gay. So, so listeners that haven't checked out this guy before, William Gay, when he was alive, uh, pretty much lived in Hohenwall, Tennessee, which is like a population 10... <laughs> town in like the middle of nowhere tennessee and lived there like his entire life i went to a reading that he was at and people complained at the reading that they could not understand the the story because he his accent is so thick it's like unintelligible man and he he was a mumbler he's he's since deceased but uh he is carrying that flannery o'connor torch like uh no one else. Now, now I'm just picturing like somebody like he does the reading and then somebody sort of stands up, Mel Brooks style, and goes, "Not only was that authentic frontier gibberish, like if you've got an accent, yeah, so pretty picky, much, yeah. If you if you can do a reading and people are like, I have no fucking clue what that guy is saying, <laughs> like that's <laughs> see, honestly, if I can understand you at your reading, you're not fucking Southern Gothic enough. You need to <laughs> you need to fucking sit at the feet of of uh, a William Gay or a Cormac McCarthy. Which, so way, William Gay said, I read Cormac McCarthy's uh, Child of God, and I liked it, so I got the Knoxville phone book out, and I called him, and he was angry that I found his number <laughs> in the phone book. <laughs> and he's like, he was pretty hostile, but when we started talking about Flannery O'Connor, he warmed up to me a little bit. <laughs> This makes me feel so fondly toward both William Gay and Cormac McCarthy that he was like, well, he got real ornery, but then I brought up Flannery O'Connor, and that, you know, kind of kind of got him out of his shell a little bit. Um, yeah, so so how is Lost Country? Because Little oh. Sister Death, uh, I'm not far into it, but it owns bones. It it does indeed own bones. I Lost Country is, I would say, it's not very plot-heavy, but also here's the thing. I'm not reading a William Gay novel for the plot, I'm reading to sink into the weird rhythm of the way William Gay writes and the atmosphere and the dialogue. Like, it's... He is one of the... I, honestly, it's a thing that I appreciate so much uh, that I think Raymond Chandler uh, also does that makes me a really big fan of Raymond Chandler generally, aside from the fact that I'm just a huge Raymond Chandler nutswinger. Parentheses here, Raymond Chandler was obsessed with his cat, Taki, and used to write letters to his friends as his cat, Taki, and also letters to other cats as his cat, Taki. Um, That's great. Fucking love Yeah, it's like William Gay has the most Rococo diction and sentence syntax, but also has characters frequently say, do what? <laughs> yeah, like, there. it's not, it's not fully, like, eloquent, although it makes me think of, uh, there's honestly, so, 
Um, the only Cormac McCarthy novel I have ever read was the one set in Tennessee, uh, Sutri. Um, Sutri has this one line that I... Is that the one where the dude fucks a corpse? Or yeah. is that Child of God? Oh, or no, I think... do they oh. all have corpse fucking in them? <laughs> Actually, um, Sutri doesn't have the corpse. It has um, this guy who sneaks into a farmer's melon patch under cover of Nightfall and fucks the melons. <laughs> and he's called the Midnight... You're, you're making I'm this not, up. I'm not, but he's called the Midnight Melon Mounter. Later on, this character... <laughs> This is this is why Sutri is my favorite Cormac McCarthy novel and the only one that I've read because nothing can match up to it. The Midnight Melon Mounter becomes made aware that the city of Knoxville will give you money uh, to turn in the bodies of uh, bats because there's like contagion and bat diseases and shit. So he gets like a giant pail full of tainted meat and puts them in a shovel and flings the meat up into the sky for the bats to eat and then like fall to the ground dead from. And he goes to the health department with a sack full of dead bats, just going like, "Hey, how much? How much are you gonna give me for this?" And they're like, "Dude, what the fuck? You're just supposed to bring us the odd bat. Like, you're not supposed to like bring us a giant sack full of bats." Um, and yeah, so Satri is um, a national treasure. Do you ever think that we're doing the wrong genre podcast that we should just be... Because Cormac McCarthy... uh, So this William Gay book is about the Bell Witch Haunting, and it's about an author who was really popular. Like, right out the gate, his first manuscript sold and was like a bestseller. Mm -hmm. And now he's got pressure to write a follow-up novel that's as good. And his literary agent says, I don't know, write a ghost story. So he's like, I'm from Tennessee. I remember the Bell Witch... Right. Oh, I'll do that. So he buys the Bell Witch House and moves in Fuck. so that he'll be inspired to write the book and then gets haunted. Oh, see, this is this is some dumb white people shit. Don't move <laughs> don't move into the Bell Witch House. That is how you get your ass haunted. Like And like the novel calls it the Beale House because, you know, it's fiction, <laughs> but it's very clear. The Beale House the Witch. Bell- yeah, yeah, the Beale House winch. And, like, the the real estate man is like, you know, there's a cave on the property. He says, Beale Cave? He's like, you can name it whatever you want if you buy this house, my guy. <laughs> Look, mister, I don't give a shit it what you name it. It can be your fart cave. Just buy this big old house. <laughs> Which is the most... Oh foreboding shit's gonna happen because that's as far as I've gotten in the novel is he's about to buy the house but it is so perfect hey white guy buy this haunted house and man, don't you know, worry about it man and honestly that's like as, as a 31 year old human being like I uh, I'm not particularly superstitious but the bell witch gives me the heebie jeebies like everything surrounding the bell witch when I lived in Tennessee like and it's that thing of like you know what I don't I don't believe in ghouls and shit, but also uh, I don't have anything to prove. You know, I'm secure, not fucking around with possible demons that will possess my body and drive me to insanity. Um, I, I don't yeah, need to... it, like, why risk it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like for what? Why would I... Um, well, and honestly, with Cormac McCarthy, side note here, there's another sentence that Cormac McCarthy wrote in Sutri that has haunted me and that I find my brain chewing on when I'm not thinking about it. A garrulous Jocko was miming buggery. I will repeat that. A garrulous Jocko was miming buggery. Um, I that. 
God damn it. Yeah, so so to find out that William Gay looked up Cormac McCarthy in the fucking phone book and was like, hey, I'm a big fan of your... Like, and Cormac McCarthy was like... And I assume they just, like, gristled at each other until they were brothers. Like, that's... Uh, that does my heart good to find out that they were buds. Yeah, so uh, y'all go read some William Gay. Zank is putting out a bunch of his posthumous novels and i think they might have the reprint rights to his earlier stuff well and also you, you pointed out we might be doing the wrong podcast because I, I i feel like it doesn't come up enough that both of us our careers are based in english nerd shit like <laughs> we both of us are are this is the stuff that we do for for literal dollars and then and yet the- my my career highlight has been talking about spooky buddies with you <laughs> on a podcast exactly yeah no i love that this is like us fucking off not doing career stuff where it's like no this isn't related to writing or editing or, or, or anything involving words it's literally just we decided to shotgun a bunch of late period hellraiser films the way you would robo trip as a teenager and down an entire bottle of robitussin um, yeah, like, and and I think what's so disappointing is no movie can be as ghoulish <laughs> as Suchery. Yeah, yeah, nothing. Like, <laughs> and, and it's funny because, like, with Suchery, I was expecting, because I had never read, I read it for um, a teacher at APSU's uh, Southern Lit class, and he, like, I, I had never read any Court McCarthy before, and I was expecting, like, sort of No Country for Old Men shit, because I'd seen the movie, like... I was aware of Cormac McCarthy. I'd seen the road movie and didn't really care for it. And so I was expecting like sort of, I live in the desert and everything's miserable. And instead it was, I live in Tennessee and everything's really wet. And also I'm miserable. So it was, <laughs> you know, it, it, he's a, he's a Renaissance man. Um, yeah. I, I've been doing that. And then also uh, wonder of fucking wonders. Um, Friday the 13th. So that game has been out for over a year. And I, uh, without getting into some gearhead shit too much, a big complaint that um, the player base has had on like PS4 and Xbox is that there are no dedicated servers. By which I mean that prior prior to this week, if you wanted to play an online game of Friday the Thirteenth, generally somebody would host a game and it would connect you to somebody um, somebody's hosted game. And if that host, for example, if it's an eleven-year-old pissy young man who's just gotten killed by Jason. And, you know, if he's if he's feeling particularly ornery, he will quit out of the game, ending the game for everybody else because he is hosting it, and nobody gets points, and no one has a good Christmas, and everyone goes home stressed, <laughs> and it's just wailing and gnashing of teeth. And so this last week, finally, they have instituted dedicated servers. Um, so I got to tell you, I am pretty stoked. <laughs> to you know, it's so frustrating because... Um, Goldeneye for the Wii mm-hmm. also had uh, peer servers, like your oh, yeah. game was hosted locally and everyone would connect to it. Mm-hmm. And then Nintendo pulled all of the internet for Wii because they were basically saying you have to buy a Wii U if you want to play these games. <laughs> and like Friday the 13th is out here, next gen console. Yeah, we're still going to do the same bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and because I gave up on Dead by Daylight because, and honestly, um, big ups to Christina for helping me be the, the best version of myself. Because she was the one who sort of pointed out, like, when I was like, all right, I'm going to play some Dead by Daylight. And I just had this, like, look of sort of grim exhaustion upon putting on my headphones to play Dead by Daylight. And she was like, I'm going to ask a, a, a very gentle question do you enjoy that game? And I thought about it and was like, you know what? 
No, no, no. I, I, when I play it, I don't really have a good time. Even, even if I'm like, if I'm playing a killer and I manage to kill everyone, or if I'm playing a survivor and I manage to get out. I don't get the sort of fist-pumping, goofy thrill I get from Friday the 13th when I kill everyone or survive. It's just sort of like, well, that was certainly a waste of ten minutes of my life. I guess I'll do the next one, and it's just a time suck. And so I have officially given up Dead by Daylight because I realized that I don't have any fun while I'm playing it. That's awesome. I wish I could do that because I'm playing Dr. Chaos on my NES emulator, mm-hmm. which, uh, have you ever played Dr. Chaos? I have never played Dr. Chaos. So I've never heard of this game except our um, friend of the show, Jay Simba, uh, posted on Instagram a stack of NES cartridges he bought for the Halloween season. And there is this game with a guy being chased with a skeleton bat and a knife. (laughs) And I was like, that looks fun. So you're in a mansion, and you have a knife, and you have to fight rats and bats. And if you go into rooms, if you search all the cabinets, you find guns and health potions, but also sometimes zombies, and then they, like, eat you and you die. The, The two genders, rats and bats. Yeah, and I've not finished but the first, like, not even the first level, like, the entrance. Like, walking three feet in the game, I've died. <laughs> but I've just compulsively just hit reset and play it and play it and play it. It's, yep. this, it's this idea that, it, it's kind of a thing that I've noticed with retro gaming, mm-hmm. um, is that games used to not be fun... There now. Do you remember um, years and years ago for Entropy? Uh, I I wrote a piece that accidentally made me beef with an indie game developer online. I do remember this. Uh, this yeah. Twitter was a fire for a bit. Oh boy, this would not be the first time I tweeted spicy and accidentally upset people. Um, but I, it, this is the thing: is that you know you look at sort of retro games and like the new wave of sort of massacre for masochist core. Uh, for gamers who are like, yeah, this game is really hard. It's like the games we grew up with, like LJN games when they would do fucking Mickey Mouse ass fly by night made in 30 minutes adaptations of like Who Framed Roger Rabbit for NES or whatever. And these games back in the day were not exactly made with a user in mind. They yeah, were like, they were just made by just a deadline and cocaine. <laughs> Yeah, just do a fucking bump and 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 try banging out like the first Castlevania. Like these games are are so fucking hard because it didn't occur to them to make it not ridiculously hard. Yeah, it's like let's market this to children, but let's make it so that they will never <laughs> win. <laughs> There's honestly, when I was a kid, did you ever play Top Gun for NES? No. There is in Top Gun the process of attempting to land the plane for Top Gun on NES would actually make me, like, weep with anger as a child. Because I would play it and never be able to get it, and it would just upset me so much. And, you know, I look back on it now, and I'm like, no, kid, it wasn't your fault. That game just fucking sucks. I was convinced that Ninja Gaiden for Sega Genesis, or, um, didn't have a third level. (laughs) They just forgot to code it, because who the fuck could beat it to get to a third level? Right, that's like Battletoads after the Hovercraft level. 
like yeah. no one does that. <laughs> no, no one. Um, but yeah, that's so, so, Ren and Stimpy, um, space cadets after the pile of socks. It's just it doesn't oh, exist. Yeah, or Earthworm Jim after the Hell level. Like there, honestly, so many of these games, and like I, I played them years later on like emulators, and just to sort of confirm for myself that indeed they are ridiculously hard. So, so what is it about the eighties and nineties that is such trash when we look back at it now? And yet, yeah, people have such loving affection. Oh, I myself am enormously fond of the eighties and early nineties because of my weird obsession with that period. When like objectively. I mean, I don't know. I feel like in 2018, it kind of... This feels like a mutant 80s in a way. Because of, like, the political culture and because of sort of, like, rampant materialism. Billionaires are stuffing their pockets. We've got some really fucking good music, at least. We've got a lot of really good horror movies, but culturally, people are dying. Like, this feels like a mutant 80s, and I don't know if that's just me, like, navel-gazing because I'm already obsessed with that time period and am currently living in this one, but... I, I wonder... Hey, remember the, the really popular show in the new adventures of Beans Baxter? I do not remember Beans Baxter. Well, that's okay, because no one except for the blogger Rare Halloween Videos <laughs> does. We will be single-handedly driving up traffic for Rare Halloween Videos Listen, like, for the rest of this time. Listen, this is a evergreen website. Mm -hmm. The only thing that my gripe is, is they don't... If, if they get a takedown notice, they honor it, and they just leave the post blank. Like, right. they leave the video section blank. Right, the stuff. But also... They're able to give context for what the fuck this show was <laughs> and why this Halloween episode is so great. So, I watched A Nightmare on Beans Street, which is the Halloween episode of The New Adventures of Beans Baxter, which is about a pumpkin patch that has killer pumpkins in it that's right. being controlled by the pumpkin princess. Naturally. And I inadvertently traumatized my five-year-old while watching this. Oh, buddy. Because I said, he was like, I want to watch this thing with you. And I was like, yeah, how bad can it be? And the first thing that happens is children on a dare go into the pumpkin patch and hands come out of the ground and pull them underground. Jesus. So your kid was watching this just like, oh no. Yeah, and he's like, I want to turn this off. And I'm like, yeah, we should. And then later he's like, don't go into the field because the hands will get you. And I'm like, oh Jesus. Oh like, God. You know there's not real hands, right? But I did it. <laughs> I ruined I broke him. So wait, is this like one of his touchstone moments for like stuff that scared the shit out of him when he was a kid? Like later on he's gonna be talking about this and like, man, I motherfucking Beans Baxter. And here's me the thing, no one's gonna know what he's talking about <laughs> because it's already a you made that show up. Nobody when we were kids would have known what the fuck Beans Baxter was. So it's written and directed by Savage Steve Holland, the guy that did Better Off Dead. So it's also wild to me that they gave him a television show. Wait, Better Off Dead, the, the John Cusack movie? Yeah. Oh, fuck, this is that guy. Yeah, and it is very tonally that. It is like... Wow. 
the major joke is that the pumpkin queen has like double G breasts. The pumpkin queen on a bicycle following the protagonist going, I want my five dollars. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Also, did you know that Savage Steve Holland animated all the whammies on Press Your Luck? No shit. It totally makes sense if you think about it. I, it. It makes total sense, and I gotta start researching Savage Steve Holland. Like this, like what if he's just been like the quiet Sven Gali behind half the shit I've watched? So the best bit in the whole show, and the, also the best thing is like a, a see. So rare Halloween videos is like an archaeologist, like uh-huh. preserving culture, and like you can go back and examine the zeitgeist of the time. Right. So Beans Baxter is a secret agent because his dad was a secret agent and was killed, and the um, the group is called Ugly, uh, that are like the the evil Cobra Commander type villains so beans baxter has to like be a spy but hide it from his mom and his little brother sure um he's got a con like a handler named number two because shit outstanding yeah and um while they're getting ready for halloween the little brother has a gumby costume and they're like what a original costume and then in very savage steve holland style the trick-or-treaters ring the doorbell and every single child is wearing a Gumby costume. <laughs> and the punchline is, should have gone with Pokey. And oh, that's, the, that's oh, it. Oh, that's a perfect punchline. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. So, so, so I gotta watch basically, this. this is a really fucking weird show with, um, with mannequins with pumpkin heads that are trying to sell, like, subprime mortgages and, like actually traumatic pumpkins trying to eat children mm-hmm. and just like really weird 80s vibe there is a commercial on this um this tape that is like five minutes that is all of the current fox stars at a cocktail party doing lines from the shows the only three people i recognize are the cast of married with children and I think it's Tracy Ullman, but I, I cannot confirm or deny. Right. Like, this is, yeah. Holy shit. But, like, five minutes of jokes that are like, this is the catchphrase for this show. And if you're watching Fox in 1990, this will be funny to you. But right. me, in the future, is like, I cannot. <laughs> so this aired on Halloween night, too, which is something else oh, that makes me really fond of it, is that shows say look we're on during a time when people will not be home watching television so we might as well just spook it up and be absolutely terrifying you know this makes me think of the fact that back in the day um the uh have you seen any episodes of the uh freddy's nightmares uh tv series they did in the late 80s i have not oh man well i mean they 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 haven't released it on the dvd yet or Blu-ray, so I've mostly just seen them on, like, shady putlocker sites, because it's pretty much where you can watch them. Um, but the time slot that they ran in, especially in the southeastern United States, was, like, three in the afternoon on, like, basic, basic <laughs> cable. So, like, people were, like, like networks were getting, like, angry phone calls from people's moms, where it's like, my son was watching this garbage. Um, and, yeah, so I, I love the sort of, holy shit, they were watching what on television back in the day? Yeah, yeah. It, it's so great. It reminds me also of the FCC having a entire folder for the New Day from WWE Wrestling <laughs> because of 
how much they gyrate their pelvises on television. See, it makes me think of I think one of my favorite tweets ever, which is from Biggie, where he's like, uh, "When I was a kid, I wasn't even I wasn't even allowed to watch movies with kissing in it. So now you get to see all that uh, repressed sexuality ooze out of me nightly." <laughs> like honestly, Biggie, the fact that he's not a multiple-time world uh, champion is one of the biggest crimes of the 21st century. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Yeah. So I think I want to put. Um, Beans Baxter pretty low on the list because it did it's spook fine, your son though, but it did spook my son. So I don't know. I think it goes. Oh, now I'm trying to find something comparable that it's about. I'm thinking other Halloween TV shows that we have on here. Mm-hmm. Spooky Buddies is number two fifty nine, and it is spookier <laughs> than Spooky Buddies. Spookier than Spooky Buddies? I, I hate hmm. to put it above pagan invasion really i think it's better than spooky world but it's not as good as pagan invasion <laughs> honestly pagan invasion i have rewatched many times since doing yeah that one. and then this not so much yeah not so, so much. our new number 266 is season one episode 13 of the new adventures of beans baxter a nightmare on beans street which by the way nightmare on beans street like come on guys that's not even a play on words or like a funny joke like, it's that's... not even on his street. It's in the pumpkin patch where they're having their Halloween party that also happens to be a killer pumpkin patch. Oh, that's lame. Come on, guys. <laughs> like, th- th- this is this was the work of, like, five minutes in the in the break room of coming up with a fucking punny title for this. Um, I mean, who who remembers it besides... <laughs> you know, that's well, true. They, they, didn't, they didn't spend any effort on it, so I, I guess that, that worked out okay. Um, so, the first, uh, the, so the first movie we're going to be talking about today... Uh, I really like this movie. Uh, it's it's very good. It's extremely it, yeah, upgrade. Uh, directed by Lee Winnell, who is one half of the guys who did Saw. Um, yeah. he was he was the one who gets uh, locked in the industrial bathroom at the very end of the first film. Um, and did you see James Wan's cameo in this movie? I did see James Wan's cameo, and I was very excited. <laughs> I just I saw him was just kind of like ah buddies. Although I keep thinking of this one time it was like I think for the Conjuring two or something, or no 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 it was uh, Insidious Part three and Lee Winnell at the premiere just looked so goddamn tired, like he just had he just had this hangdog face and like five o'clock shadow covered in flop sweat just tired longing for death and so when i saw that he had done upgrade i was really glad for him like you know i'm, I'm glad you have not given up on life after saw inexplicably caught the big cog and got fucking seven sequels um but upgrade is a now it, it okay this is cyberpunk yes yes it is very cyberpunk it yeah. is in the future people get body upgrades and there's technology and driverless cars but our good old hero likes to work with his hands. And yeah. He restores classic muscle cars. Uh, and he's got a client that wants to buy a muscle car, so he drives his wife in his real car where you got to hold the steering wheel and, and press the gas pedal instead of just check your Twitters on your big screen TV in your cars uh, to this dude's house. And while they're there, he's like, let me show you my crazy microchip i've made that will you know change everything right and then there's a giant car wreck where uh, it goes kind of funny and then after this car wreck they are he and his wife who you pretty much know instantly is going to get fridged 
Um, yeah. This yeah. is it's that kind of movie. It's it's that kind of a movie, and I think it's it's that kind of a movie so much that it openly kind of acknowledges like, look, this is a revenge fantasy in the style of Death Wish, but without. It is the, the most Death Wish two movie I've seen since Death Wish two. Well, it's Death Wish two, but it's also immediately made me think of The Crow, where you've sort of got the, like <laughs> yeah, where it's like you're you've, right, yeah, where you where you've got this like sort of gang full of goons, like a whole jolly club with jolly pirate nicknames, where it's like, you know, he kind of hunts them down one by one and finds out. Um, and anyway, so uh, his wife gets shot, and he gets um, like horribly mang like he, he gets he gets beaten up pretty bad and he ends up as a quadriplegic and then um this guy who i keep having to remind myself is not dane dehan uh, <laughs> yeah he looks like dane dehan it looks like dane dehan any any so uh, so dane dehan comes up to him and <laughs> so says dane, yeah yeah uh, honestly dane dehan is great in this movie um and he comes up and he's like <laughs> and he's like hey bro have you ever seen the movie robocop and the guy is like what is a robo no he doesn't say that um but basically he's like hey I can help you get revenge for these goons that seem to inexplicably kill your wife and put you in a wheelchair forever. Um, Except you have to sign an NDA. Yeah. yeah, see, that's the right right there, the fucking the devil's bargain. Uh, it and, really is like that. I have never seen it. Now, I've never signed an NDA, so maybe it's like oh. that. But like, oh, I've definitely signed the most, an NDA. It is the most ominous part of this movie. Is like, <laughs> and and throughout the rest of the movie, he's like, "But the NDA." And yeah, like the yeah, guy I is would... like, "I better not do that because I did sign that legal document." <laughs> I love, by the way, that 15 minutes into the future, people got crazy body mods. We got self-driving cars. We got fucking. We got like, handguns, like literal guns in your arm, but also NDAs or yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, like Videodrome style bio guns. Uh, yeah, but no, yeah, the NDAs though, you don't fuck with those, man. Like if you, if you if you sign an NDA in the cyberpunk future, you fucking you better mind your P's and Q's, buddy. Um, <laughs> but he, so he signs this thing, and then he basically gets uh, this thing implanted in his body that allows him to not only like walk again, but basically, all right. Now, now the theme of automation is a big part of this movie, where you know you look at cars and how you know because he's he he has no. Uh, technological implants in his body. He is fully on natural, sort of hanging out, doing stuff with his hands. He's like he's like future Ron Swanson, and yeah. he gets this put into his body for the first time. And now the idea of automation that cars can drive drive themselves. The main character of this movie, um, he basically gets possessed by the evil Jarvis from the Avengers. Yeah, yeah. It it starts to help him, and it's actually stem the chip that says you should take revenge on your wife's killers yeah like it's not even the guy that puts the chip <laughs> in it's the the computer chip says hey i can actually um identify the killers from this grainy footage because in the future enhance isn't a thing but i can definitely <laughs> reconstruct tattoos that are also barcodes and help you scan which those. i love that it doesn't do the thing of like computer enhance like honestly i i love anything that where somebody goes like can't you enhance the image and somebody just goes like dude that's you can't do that that's not how images work um, yeah even in the grim dark future police are still overworked and underpaid and are just like <laughs> there's not enough for me to care about this. And, yeah and you can't sharpen a grainy image um, but so he uh, hunts down one of the dudes and um, sort of he's still fully in control of his body and he's like obviously he doesn't know how to like get into a fight or hurt someone 
Um, and then the guy notices he's there, and he's like, ma, and they get into a fight, and the guy's, like, about to strangle him to death. And then um, evil Jarvis is like, so, uh, you know, if you let me drive this thing, I could save your life right now. And then, because the guy's getting choked within an inch of his life, goes, duh, fine, all right, go. And his body, oh, the way this is shot, where his body is just, like, a machine. The fight scenes in this are just fucking outstanding. Yeah, the choreography is A+. Plus. Oh, oh, it's it's exactly what you would want from this movie. And it's a thing that I appreciate so much about Upgrade is the promise of the premise, that it's like, yeah, like, we are doing full-on, like, imagine if Death Wish was good and also cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, Death Wish, come on now, Death Wish is, is good for what it is. I, I mean, But for, it's not cyberpunk. I mean, for Charles Bronson going like, hey, you killed my wife's babysitter, I gotta kill your whole family, and just like... Oh, I forgot to tell you, um, there's a new movie out called, um, I believe, Death Cry, that's got a Charles Bronson lookalike doing <laughs> Death Wish. Holy, holy shit, that's incredible. Like, is, is he doing his best Charles Bronson? It's called Death Kiss, and yes, he is. He looks like Charles Bronson and does his best Charles Bronson. So he's like he's like and... he's like Chuck Branson. Like yeah, he's yeah. Ch- showing up, sort of like, hey, I'm. Th- this is an unrelated property, legally plausibly different. It's it's Bronson, Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. Like like the revenge. Like the fight scenes in this are incredible. And he now the idea of automation. He cannot bring himself to kill people in this, but Stim can absolutely bring itself to kill people. And so his body is doing all of these things. Like, it's able to stab a guy. And, like, in the middle of the fight scene, you've got um, Gray just sort of yelling, like, Ah, I just stabbed a guy! After, like, Stim, like, forces him to be a really good fighter. Yeah, he'll say, like, hey, stay down. I don't want him. I don't want the robot part of me to kill you. Oh, man, I love that. Please lay down. I love that where he knocks the guy down. He's like, please, please don't get up. Please don't get up. Like, he's not even trying to be a tough guy and going, like, stay down. He's just like, oh, no, please. I I don't want to keep hurting you. Please don't stand up again. Um, And so this sort of progresses, and he makes his way through goons, and we get... Now, also, and I I gotta point this out, um, there is a canon non-binary character in Upgrade, which... Yeah. I really love because now and and this is the thing about transhumanism because I am really into the idea of transhumanism in that like dude can you imagine having like hot swappable genitals that like you wake up that morning and you're like "Mm, what kind of a genital do I want and you can just like pick it out of a bin fasten it and have nerve endings in it like if it's the cyberpunk future I it's it's so weird to me that lots of if you you know if you go on Twitter like most transhumanist nerds are these fucking jamokes who are like I made my own nootropic stack, and anyway, feminism is cancer. And it's these dudes who, you know, sort of can't conceive of, you know, non-binary gender, especially as regards, like, the future, as technology changes the way we live and changes what we can do with our bodies. And Upgrade actually has any kind of, like, oh, yes. Now, I like that Upgrade is like, okay, so this is a movie about crazy body mod stuff and and, uh, artificial intelligence and revenge. And yes, there's a non-binary character in this, because why the fuck wouldn't there be? Yeah, and and my only complaint is it's definitely played for laughs, because they say, does that make you uncomfortable? And he's like, no, I need you to hack this computer in my body so that I can I can I can fight the dudes but like a straw non-binary is, yeah um 
but and it's kind of nice that they're you know so the hacker which by the way more hack clap emojis more hacker movies like i want more goddamn cyber thrillers because it's 2018 and you would think that like it's a thing that drives me crazy is that in 2018 there are all these fucking like you remember during the mid 2000s when like anonymous was still a big deal like yeah when anonymous it's weird to say that anonymous isn't a big deal yeah yeah well i mean like you would get you know sort of like when they would actually do stuff and like it's weird to me that we've got like whole databases full of like student loan debt and like billionaires with like just insane amounts of money and where are the hackers like there 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 are like wild hackers out there who are not bringing down these institutions and people and it's like they're mostly like uh well we did dox a gaming journalist so we got that going for us like anyway anyway hackers you need to step it up please do more yeah so i don't want to spoil this movie but it ooh that ending oh it that gets ending very good at the end and it's like it's actually not very horror until the ending, and then it becomes super scary and overwhelming. Well, what's amazing about the ending is also Lee Winnell. Now, I still uh, embarrassingly kind of stand for that first Saw film. The oh, end- it's good. Oh, it's so good. Um, the ending of Upgrade gave me serious Saw vibes with, like, oh, shit, Every step of the way, where it, I mean, it, it's it's almost kind of a lazy thing as a filmmaker to do, but I appreciate it in certain movies, especially ones like this, where once the twist at the very very end happens and you find out what's been happening the whole time, and it cycles back through like every step of the way for Gray, like like everything that that has led to this moment. It literally says, "Let's recap what you just watched." <laughs> it's like, <laughs> look at this thing. See how we were clever here. It's funny because yeah. Get Out is like. No, I'm not going to do that. Oh, man. Jordan Peele's like, I could remind you of these images that I showed you, but you're a smart film goer, so I don't need to. Yeah, yeah, Jordan Peele, yeah, he wasn't like, hey, remember that thing I told you about Jesse Owens and the running and the grandpa? Eh, anyway, don't worry about it. I'm sure it'll come back up. Um, And James Winnell's like, look how clever I am. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, God bless. Please, mommy, please. (laughs) Please tell me I'm a good boy. But here's the thing, though. Lee Winnell is a good boy, and I appreciate this fucking ending. Um, it's, oh, it's so good. And I appreciate, I'm not going to spoil what happens, but I appreciate a downer ending that I walk away going, oh, 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 you've done it again, Lee Winnell. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's extremely good. And honestly, I feel like we've needed a movie like Upgrade where it's just, honestly, you could do a double feature with hardware and Upgrade, I think. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. So is it? better than hardware oh i think it's better than hardware at least because of that ending um because it did something new now um without spoiling what the ending is that sort of thing has been done before in horror but the way that it's done in upgrade i i like all right so here's here's my question for you is the twist at the very end of upgrade an oh shit moment or an of or an of course moment where you could like reasonably be expected as a viewer to extrapolate from the data what you've been watching up until that moment and figure it out for yourself or is it just revealed and it's like oh shit i guess that's happening i i want to posture and say oh i i'm I'm smart it's an of course but no for me it wasn't oh shit because i thought one thing and it was another yeah same yeah, and then and I also like that it has a fake out ending, where you think it's over, and then 
it keeps going, and you're like, oh, that's not the ending? Oh, man. Well, it, like, it, it, it sort do of does a, the descent, doesn't it? Where it's like, yeah, it gives it you this thing. Yeah, it has that, like, oh, cool, it was all a crazy dream. <laughs> well, like, I guess that's all behind us. And then, <laughs> nope, and it's not. Yeah, yeah, distant barge noise. Um, now, I do also, I, I love about this movie, I feel like Lee Winnell, uh figures out early on that none of us care about the fridged wife's uh plot of the movie like it because we we're, we're all tired of that trope because it's shitty and misogynistic and played the fuck out where it's the death the, the sort of death wish power fantasy of like Meh, you killed my wife parentheses mother parentheses third babysitter and now i need to kill your whole family like I feel like the movie itself sort of nods at that and goes, uh, yeah, that's the jumping off point because we're sort of, you know, doing a very basic, well-known trope, but we are going to do things after this that do not fundamentally give a shit about getting revenge for the murdered wife. Yeah, yeah. And and I think it's it's nice to learn that, like, it's about the murdered wife, but it's not. Oh, shit. Wait, so, Quincy, wait, wait, Quincy, have you played um, Fallout 3 or Fallout 4? No. Now, okay, so both if of those I were... I can't play it on an emulator on my cell phone, and it's not something <laughs> infuriating, mm-hmm. I have not played it. <laughs> if it well, the, the, lucky for you, both of them are very upsetting. Um, they're very bad games. but So they were made by Bethesda, and the, the problem that Beth- Bethesda has with Fallout is that uh, both of the games that Bethesda has made, Fallout 3 and 4, parentheses, New Vegas was made by Obsidian and distributed by Bethesda, and it's a fucking incredible game. But 3 and 4 do this thing, where, like, for 3, for example, will be, like, the game starts out, you were raised in a vault, and it goes, oh, no, what happened to your scientist father? He fucked off into the wasteland. You should go find him. And as a player, you do not give a shit about your dad. You give a shit about, like, fashioning a gun that shoots lawn gnomes through the heads of super mutants. In Fallout 4, it's like, oh, no, they stole my baby, and my baby is out there in the wasteland somewhere. And it's like, dude... I'm just trying to fuck Hancock the Ghoul and find power armor and do weird drugs. Like, I I don't care about the the parameters that the game has set up for me for, like, what I should care about. And I feel like Upgrade does the same thing, where it's like, we don't give a shit about his wife, because the movie itself doesn't give a shit about her. Yeah, I think that's fair. Which is a bummer, because that actor is very charming. She's 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 a great fucking actor in this role. And I feel like, um, this movie is also a bit of I don't, I don't know like okay do you think this movie gets has a little bit of testosterone poisoning um i think it's i appreciate how inept gray is mm-hmm. but i think that ultimately the dialogue is just bad the dialogue is extremely bad like generally as long as nobody is talking in this movie i love this movie like as long as it's just wild fight scenes and crazy violence. Now, and the other thing that I really, really liked is um, the sort of ex- exploring the delegation of violence that with Gray, when it's like, you know, he's got a jamoke on the ground and he needs to extract information from this guy. And the guy's, you know, he's like a hardened old fuck and he's not giving up any information. And so um, Stem, the evil Jarvis, is sort of like, hey, bud. Um, you know, I, 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 he's like clip, he's like Clippy the the fucking uh, clip 
Uh, he's he's yeah. murderous clippy. He's murderous clippy, like popping up, like, "Hey, buddy, uh, I see that you're trying to do a torture on this guy, uh, and you can't do it because you have feelings and empathy. Tell you what, you can just turn your little old head, look off to the side. I will do all the work, and by the time I'm done, this guy will be singing like a fucking canary." And I love that it's exploring the sort of like, if you can't even bring yourself to do that violence yourself. Is there not something inhuman about allowing that violence to be delegated? And is that any better than, like, having other people do that violence for you? Like, is that not still you doing that violence, even if somebody else is doing it for you? So I really like this movie, but also it is it is flawed as shit. But also I'm pretty okay with it being really flawed for being a body horror cyber thriller. Yeah. So, so what is a better... Uh, recent film, My Friend Dahmer or Upgrade? Ooh, ooh, oh boy. Okay. Um, I really, really like My Friend Dahmer. But, yeah, I do too. But I feel like this is... Now, I think what it is for me, um, I think Upgrade is a little more ambitious than it's able to totally make good on. Yeah. Like, it's, it's got big fucking ideas about autonomy and the human experience and technology and what happens when we invite technology into our bodies. And I think it's like, it's like a meditation on those things, but it's like trying to meditate on a trampoline while kids are yelling and jumping on it. Like So, so trying to meditate while kids are yelling and jumping is the devil's rejects. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Like, oh no, what the nature of violence and, and what it means to, yeah, and it's like, but the movie is way too caught up in its and own And I bullshit. flipped the script because I played Skinner to all these people die. <laughs> See, now you kind of support them because Skinner. Um, uh, this movie, I think, is way better than The Devil's Rejects. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, how does it stack up to Castlevania Season 1? Ooh... Ooh, ooh boy, ooh boy. Okay, okay. Um, I think Castlevania is probably, probably better. Yeah, I think you're right because yeah. above Castlevania is Slaughterhouse and Wild Zero and Interview with a Vampire. Oh yeah, and it it doesn't really go that. You know, you, you realize sometimes we'll add a movie that becomes like the gatekeeper movie that we that we frequently use as a touchstone when we're figuring out, like, is it better or worse than that? I think Interview with the Vampire is the gatekeeper for, like, getting into the pretty good movies. Yeah, yeah, it's the... the I don't know, is it that? It, it, it's, like, it's, like, it's like a house on the outside edges of good movies, where it's like, is it, is it a good movie? It's at the city limits, but technically sure. So, I think Upgrade is better than Bloodbeat and not as good as Castlevania Season 1, which puts it at number 146. Fuck yeah, 146, Upgrade, um, directed by Lee Winnell. Which, guys, if you haven't seen it yet, I this movie definitely rates a fucking watch. Like, I was so happy, like, while I was... Like, when, when, when Upgrade is good, it is so good. Like... It's also, I, I don't know, I appreciate that Lee Winnell was able to bring sort of a horror aesthetic to an action cyber movie. Like, it, the, the, the sound effects are fucking just bone-crunching and uncomfortable. Like, anyway, anyway, so, yeah, upgrade. Scroll down, let's talk about Evie. Who <laughs> <laughs> doggy, alright, alright. So, uh, so uh, okay, this was so promising because it's put out by Dark Cuts, which is the... 
uh, Petri Dish Films um, horror division, they did Karate Kill, if you right. recall. Right, Karate so Kill. So I was like, okay, it's going to be wild. And it was so much more boring than I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, it, what, Karate Kill, which by the way is at number 246 on the list. Um, yeah, so E-Demon, um, the, the tagline of which, by the way, is evil is going viral, which, okay, all right, I'll allow it. Um, now, it's this movie is basically a... Oh, this is going to sound really rude to a company that was nice enough to give us the screener. It's a kids bop version of Unfriended. <laughs> Um, it... Okay, here's the one thing they got right. Okay, it's it's a found footage. We're gonna watch a Skype call movie. So okay, that's sure. not my favorite, but the Den is like a perfect film. Right, and they do that. I really like Unfriended. The... Yeah, Unfriended is fine, but the thing that E Demon gets right is it buffers. Yeah, and actually... The actors are like, I can't hear what you're saying. Okay, say that again. I'm sorry. (laughs) Hold on. What? Okay, hang up and call back. And it literally does that for like... 15 minutes of the movie it's 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 great and also i a thing that i appreciate that e-demon does is that it uses um sort of twitchy technology and weird connections and glitching it uses that as a legitimate part of the aesthetic and as part of the filmmaking where like something is happening to somebody and they start getting all weird and pixelated looking and i'm into that like i I think it does some really cool stuff with glitching um the problem is here's the thing uh, you can't just spring sexual violence uh, into a Skype call horror movie twice as a potential thing that you're watching. And I'll give you the spoiler, it doesn't happen either time, but then later on, okay, this movie starts out as Unfriended, and then decides two-thirds of the way through that it actually wants to be Rosemary's Baby. And so it's like, I, I need to get pregnant with the Antichrist, and so it's... The, it's wild garbage um, and it's also the people involved in this are I think one of the most killable casts I have ever seen they're the dirt worst oh. like I quit watching it because it there's a moment where literally everyone gets up from their chairs and walks away from their computers and a good what felt like eight oh. minutes is empty chairs. Yeah, yeah. Which here's the thing: minimalism. Which is the part that I was like, "No, I'm done with this movie." <laughs> that is correct. Which honestly, minimalism, especially in a found footage context, can work, a la Blair Witch. But no, sorry, man. It's 2018. You can't have like extended periods of nothing happening on screen. For fuck's sake. Um, but then also, it. Um, okay, so unlikable, terrible people. The shit worst. Um, the plot takes way too fucking long to develop so that by the time it does you're just kind of like okay and there's another thing the movie does that um i honestly in 2018 i feel like you cannot just play fucking footsie with um not that it would have been okay to play footsie with it in any other time period but there's a black character in this who the cops break into his house and there's like a scene of like simulated police brutality because the cops are possessed and they're like attacking the black dude and it's like sorry can we not put in the fucking like police brutality subplot and the possible sexual violence like now and here's the other thing is one of the characters... It's a bad bake, Mary Berry. It's a bad bake, Mary Berry. Really yeah, yeah, I'm not trying to, you know, like, listen. And then you've got um, 
this other character in the thing who is like a Friday the 13th character from like a mid uh, series entry where he's like constantly running a goof just playing some japes on his friends where he's like what's the matter you can't take a joke and I feel like the horror genre needs to finally bury its need to have a character who lives only to prank his bros it's no one is like that no one is like that like maybe there's like one kid who's got a youtube channel and needs to be put to death and that's pretty much it like th this thing of like oh you should see the look on your face like i don't fuck out of here um so to wit this movie's real bad yeah so is it worse than gremlin here's why it's worse than gremlin um, I, okay, okay, now, not to moralize or get fucking more, uh, like, panicky about, uh, ch welfare, the welfare of children, there's a bit in here where, uh, the dude, the, the black dude who gets attacked by the cops, he's got two kids, who, it, it is actually, I, I, I did laugh because of this ridiculous, like, the kids get possessed and start, like, these children who are clearly not actually child actors, they're just, like, kids who have been handed fake knives, are, like, giggling and chasing after the guy, like, trying to stab him. And it's clearly just, like, these two kids they had around, and they're like, oh, here, chase the guy with the knives, and they're like, yeah! It's funny. Um, and I don't think it's meant to be funny. But later on, um, the kid's mother slits these children's throats on camera after threatening to slit these kids' throats on camera. And you can see these kids, like, they look shoot scared. Like, they look legitimately uncomfortable. And, sorry, for a thing called E-Demon, or any movie, I cannot fucking abide putting a kid through that. Yeah, like, not even, you know, skillfully shooting it so that it does, they don't actually have to make the actor. No, like, it's a, it's a thing I appreciate, it's a thing I appreciate so much about the Babadook is that the kid, during the really scary scenes when the mom is screaming, that kid is not being yelled at on camera. They shoot it so that she's yelling at, like, a, a PA. Like, there's, they, they did it so that the kid didn't get fucking traumatized. Like, I, I cannot justify, like, simulating slitting a child's throat on camera. And normally, if it's in a movie and it has the balls to kill a child, I frequently will yell, Yo, we're killing kids in this movie! Um, if it has the fucking strength of its convictions to do, do a child murder in a, in a horror movie. But it's, this ain't it, man. Like, don't, don't, these clearly are not child actors. I don't know how much they've been briefed on the fact that they're in a movie, what's happening. It, don't make me have those questions while watching your horror movie, man. So, how bad is it? Like, I'm thinking, I turned it off, so, mm -hmm. because it was not worth watching. I also turned Hellraiser Revelations off. <laughs> Josh Dan uh, Josh Danger had no such uh, luck on that one. I made him watch the whole fucking thing with me. <laughs> Poor, uh, he'll, you know, honestly, so, like, every time we have him on, we have to make him watch some bullshit. Yeah, yeah, that's it's yeah. canon. It's it, yeah, yeah, we have to, we, we have to do it now. So, ghosts that still walk is got possession, but it is funny. It's just nothing happens in that movie, and oh, it's like man. inept filmmaking. Is this movie? worse than ghosts that still walk or is it better i would say all right all right all right all right i would say it's better than ghosts that still walk but it is and actually i hate to say this i think it's i think this is better than wolf creek too 
Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so I'm, it's I'm, actually better than Grimlock yeah, and, and fucking the Jurassic games. Jurassic games. Fucking wild card. I think it's better than Wolf Creek, too, because there's, like, anything about it that is good. Which, they're, like, a couple... Again, I like the way they use glitches. I like a couple of things about it. Like, mostly it's shit. But also, at the end of the day... If a thing can be described as internet horror, I will watch. I will watch the whole fucking thing because it's for whatever reason. I don't know why we glommed onto that as like our favorite fucking film genre of like an evil internet, but you know, such is life. So uh, it's, it is... it's good. I mean, mm-hmm. it should be good, and it's got some some ideas, but it's just not the best of its breed. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I can see what they were going for in a lot of ways, but it just the execution wasn't there. So. Yeah, I feel comfortable putting this above Wolf Creek 2, or at least John Jarrett is having fun, and below Gastly's, parentheses, the worst Ghoulies ripoff I've ever seen. But um, it's got real puppets, at least it has that over E-Demon. It's certainly, man, E-Demon, yeah, like at least Gastly's does have real puppets. So yeah, so in between the two of those, coming in at our new uh, number 290. Okay, we've got to real quick go through the mailbag, because we've mm-hmm. got tons of requests. Fuck yeah. Sonia requests The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Have you seen this movie? I have seen that movie. What do you think of it? Did you know it came out before Godzilla? Yeah, I, I did not know that it came out before Godzilla, but I, I went through a Ray Harryhausen period where I just, like, marathoned a shitload of Ray <laughs> As everyone should. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's an important stage of development is just load up on a bunch of fucking Ray Harryhausen movies and just watch, like, stop-motion monsters wrecking shit. Um, I really like Beast from 20,000 uh, Fathoms, but also it's parts of it, it's... it's sl- I don't, All right, I don't know if this is just... I'm a, I'm a spoiled little uh, horror uh, brat in 2018, but... It is a bit of a slog to get through. Okay, so explain this to me, because I watch a lot of these giant monster movies from the 50s. Sure. All of them have, like, tons of jargon, like shots Mm -hmm. of, you know, Air Force pilots flying over the Arctic and saying, B-3, 69-5, B-3. Is that interesting to anyone um i feel like it was interesting to maybe one ex-navy guy circa 1960 with a ham radio and nobody else yeah that, like it's it. it's just to pad the movie out because you don't have enough budget to show the monster right? yeah 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 this is reverse the polarity of the neutron flow bullshit where you're just like you're saying like breaker nine or nine or one one like it's just you're you're yelling bullshit it's a give it but every one of these fucking movies there's like extended dialogue where they're just talking about how they are flying the plane that they are flying there's not just a oh we're flying a plane and there's a giant bird monster or <laughs> there's the fucking beast it's just we gotta kill some time in yeah. this movie to make feature length yeah that's exactly what it is it's like i like the creature design and also it's ray harryhausen so that instantly gives it nuts at points but I, I feel like Beast from 20,000 Fathoms is a good hangover movie, and which also, by the way, I think is a perfectly valid genre of movie, is like nothing I gotta pay attention to too much, it's not too grating, it's kind of nice, I can just like pass it in and out on the couch while watching it. Um, however, it is definitely better than Ganso, I know, I know for sure, and it's better than Daguerreotype. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. A lot is better than Daguerreotype. Okay, so what's better, Godzilla or the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms? Are you shitting me? Between that and the original, like, Gojira? Oh, I'm talking about the the monsters themselves. Oh, oh, hmm. Well, 
Yeah, I feel like I gotta go with Godzilla. You know, only one of them has played basketball against Charles Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, I found out this week that apparently, uh, 1998 American Godzilla is technically a canon Godzilla in the Godzilla universe. It's just, it's just referred to as Zilla, and <laughs> pops up as a, a a monster in some Godzilla stuff, usually just to get summarily killed within five seconds of appearing. Um, which is the thing I appreciate. It's great. It's, it is you great. You know, the 98 Godzilla is a uh, irradiated iguana. <laughs> it It is an irradiated iguana. I honestly, this is going to, I probably get people to yell at me. I'm kind of fond of the 1998 Godzilla movie purely because I appreciate any Godzilla movie that goes, mm, we could focus on fucking Godzilla in our Godzilla movie, or we could focus on Matthew Broderick becoming friends with the French. <laughs> And then yeah, like, what a weird thing. What the fuck? Why are they running around and then ripping off the Velociraptors beat for beat with like, oh no, it's baby Godzilla's in Madison Square Garden. And it's like <laughs> Hank Azaria being like, oh no, I'm from fucking New York. And like, so much of it is just like the excesses of Roland Emmerich at the height of his fucking bullshit. He's, Roland, Godzilla 98 Also, is, the, the extensive taco bell tie-in oh, campaign yeah. uh-huh they invented a drink a godzilla sized drink that was so large they had to sell a cup holder that you would clip to your car flintstones giant rib <laughs> at the drive-in it yeah, just tips your car to the side yeah I, godzilla 98 that and it had that really garbage puff daddy um jimmy page mashup come with me so did. yeah the, <laughs> Come with me. So, yeah, anyway, where am I? So, yeah, Roland Emmerich back on his bullshit. Fuck yeah, Godzilla 98. But, so, so I'd say Godzilla versus Hydra is going to be better than the Beast from 40,000, uh, 20,000 Fathoms. Yeah, I got to agree with you there. Uh, I, I think um, Beast from 20,000 Fathoms at least has the Ray Harryhausen effects, but that's kind of it. If this weren't Ray Harryhausen, I don't think we would still know about it. Yeah, I think you're right. It's so well done. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really good Cinemassacre episode where they talk about this. Oh, and, yeah. like, Harryhausen was like, the main character is the Beast. Like, that's all <laughs> who you're supposed to That's who to we care about. For. Absolutely. So, of course, I'm going to show him so much. And, like, he did all the animation by himself because he's like, other people will just mess it up. I'll do it. God bless. So, yeah. So, coming in at our new number 229, above... The original Vampire Hunter D and below Godzilla vs. Hedera is The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Thank you for the listener request on that one. Um, now, we... our other listener request is from at Paul Siebert on Tumblr. Hi, Paul. And he requests Visiting Hours. Now, Visiting Hours is a weird fucking movie. Have you seen Visiting Hours? It's so weird. Yeah. yeah. It's It's been a while, but basically... A news reporter reports on a murderer and then gets hospitalized, and then the murderer comes to the hospital to kill her. Yeah. Now this is um, it. You have in the notes. It tries to be a smart slasher, and I think that's a great way to put it. Where it's the '70s folk singer thing of definitely knows it wants to say something, doesn't necessarily know what that is, but it's important that it try. Um, where it's like trying to make some kind of comment on like. Oh no! Like, what? What is the nature of violence? Why? Why? You know, is uh, toxic masculinity a necessarily violent thing? Is you know, like, what? I, I don't know. Um, it is just so boring. Yeah, it's so it, boring because it leaves me feeling. It, I'm supposed to like feel something, feel conflicted about the killer, and I just don't. 
he's, yeah. he's a bad person and it like it doesn't do enough to make me conflicted and it's not scary enough to make him like an actual formidable character yeah i now the funny thing about it is though at least the killer in this movie michael ironside's hairline now of course this does feature like character actor royalty michael ironside who he's just sort of lurking like a weird greasy fella uh for most of this movie um and i feel like i don't know maybe it's maybe it's because i just watched scanners but that netted points for me that he's got a really off-putting screen presence but i feel like this is pre-Michael Ironside sort of congealing into a shape when he was still, like, a larval Ironside. Like, a, yeah, he's, like, unbaked dough at this point. Like, he has not yet become the delicious character actor dinner roll that he would one day become. So, I'm thinking, like, better than Death Laid an Egg. <laughs> yeah, definitely better but than Death But not Laid as good Egg. as the Transfiguration. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would, yeah, it's not, it, the Transfiguration, I think, does a lot more than this, and it actually gives me something other than just kind of like, oh, well, of all the movies I've seen, that was certainly one. So, Ryan, Visiting Hours or that racist Dracula movie, Love It First Bite? Oh, boy. Well, you know, here's the thing, though. You put it as the racist Dracula, and of course I'm putting it's it also the. Uh, oh, yeah, it's actually <laughs> below. <laughs> like, mm, I mean, even aside from, uh, which, by the way, as uh, even with if you take out movie just to be known as the racist Dracula, like, and now, ladies and gentlemen, the racist Dracula, and he just comes out like, blah. Um, that's, that's, gonna, that's the worst wrestling gimmick is the racist Dracula. Um, or, <laughs> so I, I would put it honestly, solidly. Um, I feel like it's better than death laid an egg and better than love at first bite, but not as good as the transfiguration. I think you're right. Yeah. Ryan, we're at 299 movies. Oh, oh, one more and we are at an even 300 movies. 300 Do we save movies. it for like a do we save it for a cliffhanger and make it a good one for next week or do we just pick something <laughs> random out of this? Uh, <laughs> unceremoniously like uh, pick something from the the listener request. From the listener request and go, "Oh, okay, let's do this one." Um I feel like that one would be sort of more faithful to the spirit of the podcast. <laughs> So, Ryan, that puts the list at a whopping 299. Holy shit. Quincy, we have almost now done our 300th, 300th movie on this podcast that we've watched. What will it be? <laughs> now, we could make it something momentous and be like, all right, motherfuckers, we're actually finally going to do whatever friday the 13th friday the no 13th. we're not we're no not no and, it's like, and then it's gonna be like uh, actually we're doing uh chopper chicks and zombie town that's what we've decided to do for our 300 <laughs> fuck it um which by the way was one of billy bob thornton's first movies um but anyway so quincy where can our listeners find us on the internet our listeners can find us on a plethora of social media sites. We are on Twitter at Rankin Vilecast. We are on Tumblr at Rankin Vile. We are on Instagram at Rankin Vile. We're on Letterbox. What's the Letterbox username? Oh, that's just a Rankin Vile, one word. Okay. We have landed uh, that ta- that handle on just about everything. Uh, we're also on YouTube. We have a playlist of what is ostensibly every rap 
horror movie tie-in track that we're aware of that is a growing playlist please send us additions to rankandvilecast at gmail.com yeah send us your your listener requests either in our um, tumblr ask box or at rankandvilecast.com if you are a film studio a filmmaker a creator of some sort, a general ghoul, and want to say hi, drop us a line at rankinballcast uh, at gmail.com. And um, we need to talk about some really dope sponsors. Fuck yeah, we do. So the first one, uh, a sponsor that uh, we've been um, sort of shamelessly shilling for for a long time now because they're fucking great is Lapelia. Um, which is, uh, as many of our listeners, because the Venn diagram of li- our listeners who like professional wrestling and the listeners who like horror movies is basically a circle. Uh, Lapelia, as you may know, is the enamel pen uh, company that puts out these really fucking dope uh, pro wrestling themed enamel pens. They feature art by Punk Rock Big Mouth and many others. Uh, they've got, Quincy, what are some of the fucking pins they got going right now? They just dropped a Greg is Big pin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, made by uh, Hunk Tears, uh, which is also, I love that Greg is Big now is just, he has an enormous torso. Um, it's, very important. <laughs> it's very important to me. Um, and so they've got Greg Dude. is Big. They got a Chris Wolf pin. Um, I have now personally gotten to meet Chris Wolf. She's really friendly and has possibly the biggest teeth I've ever seen in my life really love Chris Wolf. She's got a she's got a pen going. Um, they've got a King of Bros uh, Matt Riddle tee. Yeah. Um, because Riddle, he is truly, truly the King of he Bros. He is the King of Bros. And also he just got signed to NXT, so we're gonna get to... Or I mean, he did, didn't he? He's, he's in NXT now? I don't know. I'm not following the, the dirt sheets, so I can't report on that. The last time I saw... Uh, anything involving Matt Riddle was him getting like fucked through the air by Keith Lee who just body blocked him and like knocked him into the second row. Um, but yeah, so if you go to uh, Lapelia and use the code rank and vile, all one word, how much do you get off? I think it's 20%. It's like $2 <laughs> if you buy a $10 pen. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, basically 20%. Yeah. And then the 20%. other... You get... Exactly. Here, let me t- let me take that from the top. You get 20% off with the code rank and bottom. <laughs> Hell yeah, you do. And then the other one... Or, I suppose lapel, yeah, you do? I'm so sorry. Um, and then the other uh, sponsor we got a show for is uh, El Jefe brand. They are another um, enamel pan company, but they are for our non-wrestling fans. Yep. They uh, do really great horror pins. They have the... Navigator from Alien. They have a really great series of SpongeBob SquarePants and horror movie mashups where yeah. you get Plankton as a Mogwai. <laughs> yeah, you they get have like... a they have the best Mothman of West Virginia pin I have ever seen. And if you use the code Rank and Vile at elhefebrand.com, you'll also get. 20% off. Yeah, El Jefe rules because it's it's like um, horror pins made for... Um, P- if you really like the movie Gremlins 2, you'll probably really like what El Jefe brand has going. Uh, sure. But barring that, I think that's all I got. You got anything else? That's it. Stay spooky, y'all. Later, folks.